Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined, as always, by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I am here, and Matthew is not. No, he is not. Our middle brother, Matthew, couldn't make it tonight. He was held up with something he's doing, some work that he's doing, and so we miss him. We miss him dearly, and we're sorry. Hey, but we don't have COVID. Yeah, exactly. We missed last week. <laughs> That's what I was about to we, say. <laughs> we missed last week because we thought one of us might have it, and then since then we thought another one of us might have it, and hey, we're 0 for 2 on COVID tests in the last we, week. We are 0 for 2, and the third person also doesn't have COVID, so we are 3-0 and as far as avoiding COVID, which is absolutely fantastic. Um yeah, we just couldn't make it happen last week. I uh, hope you guys saw our tweet, but, you know, quarantining, everybody know, has, knows how it is in 2020, um, and I'm sure a lot of things you've participated in got canceled, so uh, sometimes the podcast does too, but we got a win last week against the Texans, and we raked up another one this week Seven and three, baby. Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go. Seven and three. I mean, it's... Can you let that soak into your bones a little bit? Like, it's like hard to even believe. There's that, there's that like gif um, of wh- who's Ant Man? What's the actor's name? Uh, oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's doing like Hot Ones, that YouTube uh, like yeah, yeah. video series. Yeah. And he's just sitting there with that guy. He's like, "Who would have thought? Do you believe it? Who would have guessed? Not me. Not me." And that's exactly how I feel. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed we'd be here at seven and three, second in the division, ahead of the Ravens? Not me. Yeah. Absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, this week was a fantastic week for the Browns and their playoff chances. Obviously, with our win, the Ravens' loss, all good things, all good things. Moving and shaking, moving and shaking. I mean, it wasn't even just that. The Dolphins lost. I mean, there was a handful of things. We'll talk about playoff implications and all of that later. I think we're going to save that for after we talk about the game. But, I mean, things did definitely fall in the Browns' favor um, as far as the playoff picture goes. Yeah, it feels good. And um, this game, so final score of 17-22. to 22. Browns come out on top of the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Another just rancid day in Cleveland. Uh, rainy. Although, I mean, compared to the previous two home games we've had, it was, you know, kind of, it was the best one. <laughs> yeah. At least there wasn't wind. We Both teams could clearly throw the ball this week, whereas against the Raiders and the Texans, throwing the ball was almost off the table man oh man yeah so um what was what was something that stuck out to you most about this game like as opposed to other games what what was the thing that you took away against the philadelphia eagles and is in your head um i mean i think monday i think the thing that had me i had looked at this game as you know at the bye week i kind of took a look at the rest of the games and this was one that scared me a little bit because there's a lot of veteran players in the Eagles. They've got something to play for. They're already leading their division, but they can't lose, you know, a bunch of games. Like that I could see a path to them putting up a bunch of points and like making this a really difficult game for the Browns. Like I was I was concerned about the game. And then the Miles Garrett news comes out with COVID and that makes me con- even more concerned. And so I I can't I'm not going to act like I was feeling good going into this game. no yeah you texted us before and you were like i'm genuinely concerned i have a yes. bad feeling about this game yes and so Which, i mean to be fair i think you text 75 mm, percent of the weeks 
<laughs> I state it most weeks. Uh, but I think what I told you on Sunday was I'm I'm more nervous than usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I usually am nervous, but I was more nervous than usual about this one. But the thing that um, got me was just I, I didn't know what the rest of our defensive line would be able to do in Miles' absence. Because to this point in the season, it's been the Miles Garrett show, and that's been it. Mm-hmm. But, Apparently a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. But they really stepped up. I mean, we uh, Olivia Vernon had three sacks. Claiborne had one and a half. I mean, they stepped up and did what they needed to do against a not very great offensive line. Like, the Eagles are struggling to protect Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is holding onto the ball and taking a whole lot of sacks. So the opponent matters in this situation. But even given the opponent, I wasn't so sure that we were going to be able to generate any pressure. What, and they-, they did throughout the entire game. Even when it was like, we, even when we only sent three on a few occasions, we were able to generate significant pressure on Carson Wentz. Yes. Very, very consistently. Most specifically, I am very pleased with, obviously, Olivier Vernon had a fantastic game. Um, and uh, Adrian Claiborne as well. Olivier came out with three sacks, th- um, three and a half tackles for loss. So I guess an extra half tackle for loss. And he had, he had that safety, which was, which was fantastic. Um, not something we've seen from Olivier in almost his entire time in Cleveland. That, that, that's kind of the person that I was under the assumption we were getting when we traded for him in the first place. For sure. He made a comment in post-game um, press conference that he feels healthier than he's been since he's been in Cleveland. Really? And he looked like he was healthy. He, he, he looked like that was the case. Yeah. Like, he was moving and, like, just making his way with the other offensive line in a way that we just haven't seen. Yeah, that safety was so nasty. <laughs> he got Push, double teamed, and it, then all of a sudden Peterson he just like popped through the two guys. And pushing him all the way back into the end zone and then just yeah, Jason, cast him aside. It was Jason Peters. I Jason think. Peters is struggling. It's a little bit sad to see. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing that needs to be said, because a lot of people said it on the front end, and they're, I don't feel like I'm hearing it on the back end of this game. There was a lot of talk about Carson Wentz and the fact the Browns passed up Carson Wentz and like, you know, was that the right move? You know, no one's saying after the game, like clearly the Browns made the right decision, you know, like, come on. Let, yeah, it's true. Carson Wentz struggled yeah. in this game. I, I told you this before the podcast, but I don't know that. It, it's sad to watch Carson Wentz struggle this bad, obviously, because he's on this fantastic Eagles team. He got hurt that year, and they went to the Super Bowl. They won, but he had a fantastic year before that. Um, he was playing off the rails. And I wonder, it's a theory that I have, I wonder if Carson Wentz was never really that good. If the whole reason why he was producing so much at the beginning of his career is because the Eagles were running this RPO offense that the rest of the NFL wasn't running yet. It it was something entirely different than the NFL yeah. defenses we're seeing on a week-to-week basis and i would venture to say and i'm no expert but i think it was opening up much clearer lanes for him and he understood the offense super well but defenses didn't know what to do with it and so his job was just made easier at the beginning of his career and now that nfl defenses are catching up because so many teams are running the same thing and he just can't hang um i think there's some there's something to that i think that might not be that far off. Yeah. I mean, um, he, it was it was kind of sad to watch. It was kind of sad to watch. And 
We talked about the defensive line a little bit. I have to say that it is super sad to me that Miles Garrett wasn't able to play in this particular game and was not able to feast on that subpar Eagles offensive line because there's no doubt in my mind that he would have had at least at least two sacks on this game. Yeah, and I think that's being generous. I'm going to go with four. <laughs> 4.5. I mean, like it's within the realm of see, possibility. Teetering on like breaking single game sack records. But I would I would take the under. What is the that? Four or four six? Now. Is that is six a single game sack record something like that? I don't know. I don't, that would be a ludicrous no number of sacks. I know someone's had at least four, but a six is insane. Anyways, I'm bummed that he had to miss the last week's game and this next week's game against the Jaguars. He's gonna have to have an insane final five games of the yeah, season for his MVP in order bid. to get that defensive player of the year. And I want that. What do you want more? I want that more. I don't know what you're about to say, but I really, no, 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 no. really, no, really want it. Serious question. If you had to pick, you can only pick one. Miles gets Defensive Player of the Year or the Browns make the playoffs? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I want Miles to get really? Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> I don't, I don't see the Browns in the playoffs. It's nothing to me. Uh, it depends on who we're playing in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think it matters. I'd still pick the playoffs for sure. But um, I want both of those things a lot. Like it's actually, I actually have to stop and think. Um, it's not uh, I, an easy decision. Well, well, here's my thing. is, And the reason why I answer that way. I want Miles to get Defensive Player of the Year because I love him as a person so much. I think he's a ludicrous talent. I love having someone like that on our team. Um, and... I feel like everyone thinks of him unfavorably, right? When he's actually this gentle giant kind guy. Like I think that nobody deserves it more. As far as the playoff question is concerned, I don't think that this year is our year to win the Super Bowl, right? And so I... Don't you think making the playoffs though and having some playoff reps is helpful for that future year, whether it's next year or the year after, in order to make that run to play in the play, to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing, and I do think it's important. But I don't know how, like, playoff reps. People mention things like this. Like, that's one of those, like, vague, abstract. I don't know how much that really matters, right? Like, if, if you're with how important every single NFL game is, especially down the stretch, there's so often you're basically in the playoffs in with your last three weeks. It's like, we have to win or else our season's over. Like, just because it happens to be the playoffs – doesn't make it any less intense like any more intense i don't agree with that i mean i just like think that 16. like you know your season's over like i i think there's other games that are comparable i just think it's it's on a different level when it's when it's the playoffs i don't know yeah it's just but, like, like players division- talk about playing like monday night football or like under the lights like there's a different amount of pressure there's a different like number of eyeballs watching you like there's it is just a whole different ball game no more than a divisional game in in my opinion if we're playing the bills in the playoffs i think it's just the same as we're playing the steelers week 16 and both of us they're fighting for the number one spot and we're fighting to go in like it's that's the exact same thing and i do think you do need you need reps of doing things like that yes but okay um agree to disagree fair fair um one of the other things i uh 
I want to talk about. So obviously our defensive line play. You told me a theory um, before the podcast of why you think Olivier stepped up and Claiborne stepped up. Why do you, why would they be at this level in this game when they haven't shown anything like this with Miles out on the field week after week after week? Well, I couldn't help. Some of the listeners may be familiar with Bill Simmons. Uh, you probably know at least who that is. He runs the ringer, used to be at ESPN. Um, he has this thing that he talks about all the time. It's called the Ewing Theory. And the basic idea is is that when Patrick Ewing was traded away from the Knicks, they played a heck of a lot better and were a much better team. The idea being when the star player goes, the rest of the team has to step up and actually like make plays, and the team as a whole does better whenever the star player is out. And I wonder if this defensive line benefited from the Ewing theory in this particular game because because – they played out of their freaking minds. Like this was like so far, this was like the far end of the spectrum of what I would have expected from this unit. And it was a very clear and measurable difference. <laughs> it was the extreme positive end of what you could have hoped for. Is the Ewing theory the exact same reason why Baker was better after OBJ got hurt? <laughs> Is it the Ewing theory? Same idea. Same idea. Anyways, I, I think that is a factor. I think the Eagles' offensive line not being very good is clearly a factor. Um, but it does make me wonder if them getting a taste of what they can do mm-hmm. is going to play a role and a factor once Miles is even back. Like, is this defensive line going to look like that defensive line that we like were salivating about last preseason? I like, remember. Do you remember like thinking about, oh or my like gosh, Sheldon Larry- Richardson... Olivier Vernon, Ogunjobi, and Miles. Like this is going to be ridiculous. Or even the person Larry Ogunjobi was at the beginning of the season, yeah. or like last year. Um, that would be phenomenal to me. Um, Anyways, I'm just really interested to see if we can see some of this same production from that unit, even when Miles is back. Yeah, and I don't think that I mentioned it earlier, but uh, news just came out today. Obviously, Miles missed this game because of. Uh, his positive COVID-19 test. Um, so we wish him all of the best. He seems like he's in good spirits. Watched it from his couch. Was basically live tweeting the game. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. But uh, Kevin Stefanski just came out and said today that uh, Miles will also miss the Jaguars game next week. So we'll get to see this new look Browns defensive line with Olivier Vernon and Adrian Claiborne popping off. Um, and Adrian Claiborne, we always knew he could do this. He, he's done it in flashes. Right, but now he's just got, he got a lot more. He got a lot more reps this yeah. week. I, I'm so glad we have Adrian Claiborne on our team. He's like a perfect third defensive end in my in my opinion. Um, really, really valuable asset. So the other player that really seemed to stick, I mean, Taki Taki, good for him. Got his the first notable play of his career. If you listen <laughs> to what the what the announcer said, they had to have said it three times. It cracks me up every single time. Which is so funny. Poor Taki Taki. The first notable thing that he's actually done in his year and Very a half short. in the NFL. Very short linebacker career. He finally got a pick six. How dare pick he? six, phenomenal. Outran Richard Rodgers to get to the end zone. Loved it. Um, but Denzel Ward had himself a game. Yeah. I was did. very impressed with what I saw from Denzel Ward. Um, and I think it, they made some you know commentary about it during the game. But it did seem like they were letting Denzel Ward play press. And he wasn't given like very much space to anybody that he was covering. And 
the fact of the matter is, is right now Jalen Rager is probably the only receiver that you would have any concern about beating you deep on that Eagles roster. And, well, yeah. um, so he was able to kind of just play with everybody in front of him and he was kind of having his way. Yeah. He was, he was playing great in coverage. He had that interception, obviously that was important, um, towards the end of the game. And then he was also making a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage, uh, breaking out of blocks and stopping people on swing passes and stuff like that, which I love to see from a cornerback, especially one as small as Denzel. He's not afraid. Yeah. Man. I love Denzel's mindset. I love that interception came right after he let a big pass interference go through on, on him and like yeah, to come back pa- pass interference. Okay. So it was questionable, but regardless it resulted in a yes. huge gain for the Eagles because they called pass interference. And then he came back the next play and had the confidence to like pick that ball off. And that was one of those ones where he could have gone for the man, but instead he saw where the ball was going and he like decided to like go for it and take the pick himself. Like it took some confidence to for that pick to happen. He like, read the ball in the air and he used his ball scales to go get the ball and know right. that he was in position and the but, receiver uh, wasn't. He he did push his he did push he him did in the back. He did give a little nudge. He gave a little nudge when he got off his feet and yeah. that's what allowed it to happen, but I mean you every single defensive back does that and you got to be able to do it discreetly. That's part of the skill. Um, but yeah, I always wonder with that, like pass interference call, I wonder how much of like a Homer I am and how biased I'm actually being while I'm watching the Browns. Like I, cause I watch like games with other friends who are watching their, their team. Sure. And I'm like, you are a mad person. You are crazy. That was so pass interference. Like it was um, miserable. So what you're really asking is like, how much like dad do you sound whenever yeah, yeah. you, whenever you're watching <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like, am I, how, how reasonable am I being? I don't, I never know. I mean, it, it, I could be on any end of the spectrum and I just wouldn't know unless I recorded myself watching a game um, and watch it back. Um, yeah. Denzel was great. It's always great to just have like those defensive playmakers, those stars. And that's why I love having it. Like in my opinion, two most important positions, defensive end and cornerback having that number one corner. All right. We've talked about this game. We're excited. We won. We're seven and three. Yeah. It's great. We've talked entirely about the defense, which is fair. We scored nine points just on the defense um, in this game. I mean, the defense almost outscored the offense. We haven't even touched on what we saw on the other side of the ball. What you know, sticks out to you? What sticks out to you there? There's a couple reasons we haven't touched on that. <laughs> it wasn't the most exciting, except for a few Nick Chubb runs. Um, it was largely Manila, but it was it was exciting. Did I mean, you say Manila or vanilla? Both. Um, well, I said Manila because that's the same word. Like a Manila envelope is like a, a bland color. People say Manila. M- they say Manila when something's like bland? Mm-hmm. Oh, do. I think they say vanilla. They do that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to dig my heels in on this one, actually, Michael. I I mean, I, I could be ignorant on this point, but... Um, Manila is like a boring color. In my 32 years, in my 32 years, I've always believed it to be just vanilla. Well, it's both. All right. I think you're hearing vanilla when people are saying let vanilla. Us hear, let us hear it, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> one of, one of us is right. One of us is wrong. It's going to be way worse for me whenever I'm wrong than it will be for you. <laughs> but whatever. That's fine. Um, so, I mean, in the first half, it was our ability to run the ball was super disappointing. Um, we weren't getting a huge push. Nope. And we weren't getting into open space. Kareem Hunt did some really stupid things throughout this entire game. I mean, he ended the game with 11 yards, and we all saw 
what he did on that touchdown. We saw a couple different runs that he broke, but he went for some big losses. I think the biggest takeaway from this game is our ability to run the ball in the second half. And most specifically, our ability to run the ball in the fourth quarter when we're ahead and we need to. Um, And that duo, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the chunt, the chunt effect (laughs) is just... Is just fantastic. I mean, team, it keeps pe- showing up. Pe- pe- people can't deal with it because they're both so talented in their own ways. Uh, it's and they're both fresh. Having- they're both fresh by the fourth quarter. And like, honestly, every time it surprises me because it's been like we've never had a team that was like structured like this where we could actually run clock where we could make other teams pay in the fourth quarter and like secure games when it matters in the fourth quarter and we've consistently been able to do it um and even in games like this where we weren't able to get much space and weren't able to gain a whole lot of yards on the ground until that latter part of the game like it's really really impressive yeah, and it's so important in the NFL. It's so hard to win on a week-to-week basis. If you have garnered a lead, you have to be able to maintain it. And the only way to do that and take control of a game is to have a great running running game. And having both of these guys is just fantastic. Obviously, Wyatt Teller has a huge part to do with it. And having him back has just been fantastic. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I will correct you in saying I don't think it's the only way to do it, but it's a very secure way to do it. It's one of the best. I mean, you can do you can do the the New Orleans Saints thing where you're basically running the ball by passing it, right? Like you, you can do that too, but it is, it is the best, the most tried and true way to close out a game. Or you can do the chiefs and just keep scoring. It's a, I mean, our ability to run the ball and close out games is the reason why we're seven and three. There's like no doubt in my mind that that's like the single most important, um, like factor. Um, because these are games that we would lose in the past because we couldn't control the clock. We weren't wisely managing the clock and we weren't making smart decisions about, and we couldn't execute. Like we just couldn't do this. And and this game was kind of ugly. Like we weren't moving the ball that well. We got in the second half in particular, we got down the field, we got past the 50 yard line and then we just shot ourselves in the foot. We would have negative play after negative play. The one play that killed me more than anything else in this game was we were looking at a, I think we were at the 40, maybe 39-yard line of the Eagles. And it was a third and five or something like that. And we ran a draw play to Kareem Hunt. And my thinking, I'm assuming this is where Stefanski was coming from. All right, we'll run a draw play, see if we can get it. If not, it's okay. We're probably going to go for this on fourth down. And I think it was Njoku just got completely beat off the ball on the inside. And the play got completely blown up. Instead of just taking a two-yard loss, Cream Hunt like ran backwards and it ends up being a seven-yard loss, and we have to punt. Completely I mean, switches the field in a in a low-scoring game. <laughs> in a low-scoring game like this, when you get that far down the field, like you have to be able to maximize it and take advantage and get some points. And that that was the first time that it happened, but it happened again, like a possession or two later where we shot ourselves in the foot when we got right into the same range and it did not feel very good. <laughs> I, will, I was, I was very, very frustrated. I will say we, 
we did that to them consistently. I think in the first half, they got across the 50-yard line on their like first four or five drives or something like that, and then we stopped them, and they ended going into halftime with zero points. But on that play, that Kareem Hunt play, yep. we did end up getting points on that because we punted the ball, pinned them on the one-yard line, and then we got a safety. Um, I consider that. Jamie Gillen. Thanks, Jamie. Um. So uh, one of the other things we're talking about, Nick Chubb, we can't not talk about that stiff arm. No doubt. He had a couple of just ludicrous runs. One of them being that stiff arm of, I don't know who the poor soul's name is that got like shoved in the throat straight to the (laughs) ground, but it, it got my juices flowing. I'm not going to lie. I loved watching that. Um, If that was a stealer, I would have, I would have been done. I don't think I've watched a replay of that any less than 100 times today. <laughs> I think I've seen it at least triple digits. Yeah. At least. It's good every time. It, it doesn't get worse. And then he had that other one where he, I think it was a, it was a, it was a draw, right? Um, it looked like a video game run. It was a draw, and he cut it to a completely different window that it definitely wasn't supposed to go to. He cut it all the way to the left, outside the left tackle, and then he juked two people completely had, out of their shoes and ended up getting like 15 yards or something like that. There's a little jump cut that he made, and then he took a little step back and then went on forward. It's like his ability to stop, start, go left and right, footwork is on another level. I just, I, he doesn't I, he's, he's no slower moving laterally than he is forward, and he is very fast moving forward. So... I, I, it's so fun to watch. I love Nick Chubb. I think he's my. I think he's my favorite player on the team. It's hard between Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett. I love Miles. I love Miles. And if I asked you who your favorite player was after a play when like Baker got crazy and was celebrating, you'd say Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he had. He had <laughs> I do love Baker. <laughs> the uh, on one of that Chubb run where he stiff armed, they showed the camera angle yeah. of him, and he was just like tip tapping all the way down. Yeah, he was just like ooh. I know it's so good. He's just got so much personality. Yep. It's just like you don't see that from other NFL quarterbacks. It's just very few. It's more fun. So much more fun. I mean, like you got like the Philip Rivers like I don't cuss thing, and that's kind of funny. But that's like his main thing. So he's like I act like I cuss, but then I never actually do. So the thing that I loved about this game from our offense, I've complained about it a good bit here. Uh, but the thing there I are did good things. I, the thing I did love was they maximized their chances. We took a handful of shots downfield on some bootlegs, and Baker was able to execute. He did great. Like there was a bunch of throws to Hodge and um, to Higgins. Like they took advantage of those when they decided to take a shot. We were able to pretty much take advantage. There was very few that we did not hit. The the only big miss, another big miss that we didn't mention was that goal line stand. Whenever we ended up being short with Kareem, Baker basically had two two passes that should have probably been touchdowns. Yeah, both of those were absolutely on Baker, and I don't know what happened on either of those. The overthrow to Hooper was particularly frustrating because not only was Hooper wide open, but if he had thrown out into the flat a little bit more to Harrison Bryant, he was also wide open and would have scored a touchdown. So like it. It was just a gimme play that he whiffed on. Yeah, and he did. And But then on the Kareem Hunt run, that's on Kareem too. Like, you just got to have a little bit more awareness of your Correct. body position. And you can't put your elbow down right there. Like, if he just had kept his elbow up, 
and had the ball go in first yeah. or reach it out just a little bit. Yeah. It was a clear touchdown. Yeah. He had it. He yeah. just... I agree. Okay, I was trying to say something nice, and then I started Sorry. saying something bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Just a just a beaten down Browns fan over here. Don't par, know any other way. Par for the course. So the nice thing I was trying to say is that it didn't feel like we were finding any successes, although we did have some big plays here and there like throughout the game. But it felt like we were in control. And I love that we have a coaching staff and a team that feel that's all driving in the same direction. That in a game like this where things aren't, you know, just clicking on all cylinders, it feels like we're in control and we're going down the path with the plan that we've got in place and we're making things happen. And when the fourth quarter comes, we know that we have the best running game in the NFL to close out a game and can make it happen. And we have the confidence to do so. And so even when everything's not happening, they can still execute and pull out a W against us, a solid team, not a great team by any means, but against a pretty decent opponent, a game that we should have won. We did. And it, there was a lot of things that led into it and it was closer than I wish it was. But at the end of the day, we won and we're seven and three and we've consistently strung together these wins where we've beaten the teams that we're supposed to beat. Yeah, and it's just so I weird feel, to be the team that's like winning the games that they're supposed to win. And I just feel like we have such competence in our coaching staff. Yep. Which is not something that I felt in, in a very long time. Like I'm not unreasonably angry about little things that we're doing because I was thinking about at the end this. of the day we're winning. I was thinking about this. I should look up while we're doing this what the um what it looks like with um penalties on the season. Because I feel like we have been very, very good in the penalty department. It seems like every single game the other team has more penalties than we have. And I'm sure that over yes. the course of the season, we are in the lower half of the NFL as it relates to penalties. We're certainly far superior than we've been in prior years and ridiculously ahead of where the, the mark we were on last year. Yeah. I mean, so much more disciplined. And it makes such a big difference to not be shooting yourself in the foot and be like working from behind. I mean, the only... I mean, I can't think of any significant penalties. Like, Jedrick Wills has had a couple games where he's had some, like, bad penalties. But, like, that's the only thing I can point to. He's a rookie starting left tackle playing a new position. Like, I, I, and I'm not mad I can at live with that. Wills. I can live with that. Yeah. I mean, there's I can't, not, I can't no, think of there's one very thing few that we've consistently dumb, done right. throughout the entire year. Yeah. And I feel like a normal amount, if not above, above average. I remember fighting with Matthew about this a couple of years ago. About how, like, that's not, he was trying to make the argument that it's not Hugh Jackson's fault. And I was trying to say, no, it's coaching's fault that, like, there's lack of discipline. I mean, and that's pretty well founded. I mean, everybody says that. I don't remember the argument. I distinctly remember I, standing in my closet I think it's talking kind of, I think from, it's, from Jacksonville. I think it's kind of unfair that you're bringing that up while he's not here, but. <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, I think it's the coach's responsibility to keep uh, the team penalties and their discipline in check. But on an individual level, like it's not, it's not Kevin Stefanski's fault that Jedrick Wills jumps off sides or, or has a false start, right? On any individual case by case basis, that's not on Kevin Stefanski. 
Um, but when you take the sum of all the parts, I do think it's it's certainly coaching. Wow. The New England Patriots have the fewest penalties. 36. Then the Rams, 37. The Browns are kind of in the middle of the pack. I'll take the middle of the pack if this is what it is. Yep. It's not I'm, so bad. Not so bad at all. Yeah, that also points to coaching, that the uh, Rams and the Patriots are one and two. Yep. Um, okay, so I want to talk about a couple other things about the game. Um, first off, uh, Kadero Hodge. He had a great game. It, it was very fun to watch Kadero Hodge play. He, he only had three receptions, but they were those long shots. He's like a he's, pretty good three or four wide receiver. Yeah, he's okay stretching the field. We got 73 yards out of him on on five targets um it, he's kind of filling that role that obj had to stretch the defense take the top off the defense and kind of have some sort of threat there which we don't have anywhere else in our wide receiver room so. and it seems clear to me that he and baker have like some chemistry like a couple of those throws were made before like hodge even made his break and it's clear that baker knows where he's going to be and that's really important on those sort of deep throws where you've got to make the throw before everything's all like fully formed. Yep. Um, and so that was encouraging to me. Baker just likes bad wide receivers. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think the worst, the wide receiver is Hollywood Higgins seems to be his favorite target. <laughs> the worst, the wide receiver is the more Baker likes him. Um, hates OBJ. Um, and then another thing that I wanted to talk about is, there's, we got a lot of turnovers in this game. Oh, yeah. Like three turnovers that obviously on that first drive, the fumble um, inside the red zone that we forced was huge, monumental. They were on the doorstep about to go up 7-0, and we forced that fumble, recovered it. Um, then probably, well, point differential-wise, just as important, um, the interception return for a touchdown by Taki Taki, and then the other Carson Wentz interception. Um I feel like that was a result of how much we were getting pressure on Carson Wentz, that we were getting those interceptions. Story of the whole season. But three turnovers um, in a game is largely going to win you the game most, oh, yeah. most of the time. And then we had um, we had just the one that in the beginning of the second half, that Baker fumble um, on the strip sack, um, which was so weird. Um, and then we lucked out on another Baker fumble um, where he was running the ball and they called that his forward progress was stopped. And, so and, lucky. And that was a really lucky break. Like Kareem Hunt scored on that very next play um, when he jumped over and Wyatt Teller blocked three people. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like we had some lucky breaks to win this game at the end, but yet when I look at it as a whole, but yet it also felt like we were in control of the game almost the entire time it's a w we're sitting at seven and three and we are currently going to make the playoffs if the season ended today yes we are um if the season ended today but as we both know the season's not over there's six more games to play we have six so more say. games um in this afc <laughs> three playoff. hard ones and three real easy ones yep <laughs> they're, they're it's like very clear <laughs> It's such a funny remaining schedule because there's like three pretty challenging games and three games where you'd be pretty pissed if you lost any one of them. But more than pretty challenging games, like three games that I'm like, yeah, I think we should probably lose. I mean, like we're ahead of the Ravens. I don't think we should and we're probably the lose to the Titans or the Ravens. 
no, man. I, I think that we are beating teams consistently that are worse than us. And we're not blowing we them beat out. The Colts. We did beat the Colts. That was very fun. I had, it's the only I, game I can really hang my hat on saying, like, Philip Rivers that's was a good team. awful in that game. And hey. he has not been awful in any other games. I mean, I, I guess that's us, or it could be on Philip Rivers. I don't know. I'm inclined, based on our work throughout the rest of the season, to think that it's not us, that it's actually Philip. But it, it could have been in that particular instance. I generally think that we've just beat bad teams throughout the year and we should have, and we did. And that feels really good, but I don't think that we're actually better than the Ravens. I don't even think that we're actually better than the Titans. And I certainly don't think we're better than the Steelers, the giants, the Jags and the jets. We are absolutely better than, and if we split three and three, we end up 10 and six. Do you think we make the playoffs? Probably not at ten and six with the way things are looking right now. I, I actually think the chances are probably not good if we end up ten and six. Um, I think we need to get to eleven and five. If we get to eleven and five, we should be in. Um, to add credence to your point, you know what I looked up today? I was just playing around looking at DVOA, which they only have the DVOA rankings through this past week. They haven't been updated. They won't be updated probably till tomorrow. The Browns have seven games on the schedule this season against teams that are in the bottom seven in DVOA. The worst seven teams. That's counting the Bengals twice. So there's one team in there. That's one, one team in there of the bottom seven that we don't play. Who is it? I don't even remember, (laughs) but we play six of the bottom seven teams. I mean, that is incredible fortune Yes, for the Browns for our schedule to fall that way. And we're taking advantage of it, like to our point. Like we're winning those games that we're supposed to win. Thank you, NFC East. Yeah. And so there's really nothing you can say other than the Browns got lucky as far as how the schedule broke this year. But we're also taking advantage of it. And we've said that since the beginning of the year, that we had a very easy schedule, and it turned out to be far easier than we initially thought. Um, but a big chunk of that easy schedule is week 15 and 16. We play the Giants, and then we play the New York Jets. Um, This upcoming week, week 12, we have the Jaguars. Um, I'm not worried about the Jaguars. We have to win all three of those games. We have to beat the Jags. You're right. We have to beat the Jets. And the Giants is the hardest one, I think, of those I think those so, too, because games. Well, they're, they're playing all right, and they're fighting to win their division. Yeah. Yep. No, that that's the only one that concerns me in the least of the ones we need to win. But I made the statement just a few minutes ago that we I think we need to be 11 and 5 to make the playoffs. Um that means we got to beat Titans. those three teams but then win one of the others between the Titans, the Ravens and the Steelers. Which of those three games do you think is the most likely for the Browns to win? Well, it's hard. It's hard for a couple of reasons. There's factors at play with well, these. Well, like the Titans, when we play the Titans, um, it's going to be week 15. Or no, week, two weeks from now. Week 13. When we play the Titans week 13, it's going to be an all-out dogfight because we're both going to be, I mean, unless the Titans beat the Colts next week. But 
more than likely we're both going to be in that wild card slot fighting for our spot in the playoffs. Yep. To my point that it's basically a playoff game. Um, and it's going to be an all out dogfight. So it's going to be an intense game. There are competition to make the playoffs. And so it's going to be super intense. So I don't necessarily, I'm not inclined to think that that's going to be an easy game to win. The Ravens obviously is a divisional matchup. We're going to have them at home. I said at the beginning of the season that we're going to split with the Ravens. The Ravens aren't looking that good. Lamar Jackson looks awful. I mean, I don't even feel bad saying it. He looks genuinely bad. Um, and then the Steelers, week 17. If, the Steel- if we were playing the Steelers next week, I would say definitely the hardest game. Week 17, though, if they continue on this streak, there's reason to believe that they will be playing a Mason Rudolph Steelers team. And in that situation, when they have the number one seed locked up, I think that's the easiest game to win. But no, no, I who, can see who, that playing out too. But, but who knows if that's going to be the situation? If that's not the situation, then I'm going to say the Ravens is the easiest game to win. Ravens just beat the Titans. We're going to play the Ravens at home. It's a divisional game. You know we're going to be amped up. Um, we're playing the Titans in Tennessee. They'll need to win as bad as we do. I I think that the Ravens will be easier than the Titans. I think you have a little Titans homerism going on. I'm, I'm I think the Titans is the easiest game. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's the one we play. I mean, the, it's the Jaguars, then we play the Ravens Monday night, and then the Titans. Is that right? I think that's the order. Uh, No, we play the Titans, then we play the Ravens on Monday night. Ooh. Yeah. So we play the Jags, then the Titans, then the Ravens. Ravens right. week 14. Right. Um, which I'm super glad that, that Ravens game's on a Monday night. That'll be fun. Um, That will be fun. Just as an aside. <laughs> I'm stoked for that. That will be fun. But that, it's gonna that, mess with but, our podcast recording schedule. Yeah, have to be a Tuesday night recording, or, or maybe we're we'll really late night Monday. That's probably what we'll do. Yeah, yeah we'll just do it after the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch, watch it, it together and then record right after. Stay up super late. Um, be super drunk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't tell you this. I gotta tell you this. Um, so, Dad, <laughs> Dad called me the other day. Uh, yesterday, I think it was. He's like, "You got a second? I gotta tell you something." Grandpa said to me on the phone. He's like. Steve, I just got I got this problem, um, and I, I just need to, I just need to fix it. I'm listening to that dang thing that the boys do. What is that thing that the boys do? It's just on my it's on my iPad, and I can't get it off. It's just playing all the time, and <laughs> it's playing all the time. And you know, uh, you know, Mark just sounds like he's so drunk. It's just <laughs> he's like. I can't get it to stop playing, and Mark sounds super drunk, and I don't know what's going on. And uh, so he got he got Grandpa to like <laughs> Facetime him and show him what was happening. To like apparently it was like auto playing and the like yeah the podcast, and Grandpa couldn't turn it off because we set it to download, and he must have accidentally played it. And then it was just it plays through one episode, and when that ends, it, it just plays the next one. Yeah. And so there's plenty of episodes, so it's gonna play oh, yeah, for yeah, a yeah. long time. Um, yeah. So he had it playing the podcast but he also had it on half speed so, <laughs> so apparently i was talking like Welcome to this. and at first when dad said that i was like what in the world i sound super drunk yeah. like yeah you hold your liquor pretty well like even if you are you don't it's not that noticeable yeah i i was like that is so strange and so funny my grandpa just couldn't figure out dad walked him through it <laughs> That's how phenomenal. funny is that? 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So you think the Titans will be the easiest game? I do. I mean, I think it's pretty much a toss-up between the Titans and the Ravens, to be honest. If I had to guess between one of the two, I would say I see us beating the Titans um, a little bit more easily um, than the Ravens. But it, I I think we could. We, I think it's possible for us to win either of those games or a Steelers team that isn't playing everybody in Week 17, to your point. Um, a full-strength Steelers team trying like hell to win that game, I don't know if it's possible for us to beat them. Yeah, nor do I. And so, like, if we get into that seven seed or anything like that, and we're we're playing the the Steelers in, in round one of the playoffs, I I don't like that option. Nope. Um, but right now, where we're sitting, we're the six, and the Bills the are the three, and that sounds like a fantastic situation to me. I'd be I'd love to play the Buffalo Bills in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. Yep. That sounds fun. Um, I just, the, with the, with the Titans, you, you say that I'm a little bit of a Titans homer. Like I'm thinking what the Titans do poorly and defense, their defense isn't phenomenal, but it's really just their pass rush is the only thing that's really bad about the Titans. And that does bode well for us. It's nice whenever we have time and whenever we have, that's when we've done the best. So it, I understand what you're saying, but there's so many things that the Ravens do, and we'd lost to the Ravens like whatever the score was by like 30 points at the beginning of the season. And this is, we're, this is a totally different. So you team. feel like it's a revenge game? Like, what are you saying? Like, I think that that makes it harder for us to beat the Ravens. I yeah, was no, tra- no. I'm saying that it's it's yeah. I I just I do think it's a revenge game and. You're trying to bolster my point, is what you're trying to say. I'm, I'm trying, okay, I'm maybe you're right, you. Michael. I'm trying to feed you. Maybe, maybe you're right, Michael. The Titans, the Titans might be the easier game to win. Yeah, they might be. <laughs> I just think that the matchup's better. They're, they don't scare me as much, and um, I mean, but as crazy as it is to say, if you had said this at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have believed it. If you look at both offenses. The Titans I'm, I'm are way much, more scared the, of the Titans, the Titans offense. offense is much scarier than the Ravens offense. Yes. Absolutely. Much scarier. It'll it'll be interesting. I think those are both be good games. Um and we'll see. And I really do think we need to win one of them in order to secure yeah, a If we spot. win, if we beat the Jags this week, which God we help better. us. Hopefully because last we time do. I need to make this comment. Um last time we played the Jags, I think, was three years ago. I still lived in Jacksonville. You guys came down to Jacksonville and we went to that game. I did not, but yes. Okay. And the Browns sucked. Got beat in Jacksonville against an inferior team. And it well, was it was very, ago. very disappointing. Three years ago, that's what we did. And so I don't want to overlook this particular game and just assume it's going to happen. I think this is an even worse Jacksonville team. Uh, this particular time um but i've seen it happen and it and i've i've got i've got i've got source i've got i've got some scars okay from from past experience reasonable and you have a bunch of friends that are jacksonville fans so it hurt particularly bad for you i do um all right so we beat the jacks this upcoming week and then if we beat the titans the following week we are in a really fantastic position no doubt because then we can drop, possibly, we could even drop one of those games 
to the Jets and the Giants and still wouldn't, a chance make the playoffs. Wouldn't want to, but wouldn't we want could. To, but there's a chance that we could. But it's just crazy looking at this AFC and thinking that we're going to have to be 11-5 and five to make the playoffs. Like there's a chance that we get another 10-6 and six non-playoff bid even with the extra wild card. The thing to me that's crazy is that one of the teams is going to miss out between the Ravens, the Raiders, Raiders, us, the Dolphins, the Bills, potentially. I mean, one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs, and the Colts throw in that mix. Yep. One of those teams is not going to make it. Out of the seven, one of those teams is not going to make it. And all those are really good teams. Well, well, I mean, between... Between Buffalo, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, Indy, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Las Vegas. It's two teams. Three of those teams is not going to make two. it. Two. So there's seven playoff spots. You just you uh, just listed you just listed nine teams. But yeah, no, there there's like real good teams that are not going to make it. And honestly, if I take off my like try to take off my Cleveland Browns like lenses that I view the NFL world through and I'm honest about it. The Browns might be the worst team of all of those teams. Yes. No, for sure. <laughs> they re- really might be one of the worst team of all of I mean, those. I mean, we beat I, Indy, but I know I totally agree. I'd put no, us up what, against. The... That's what I'm saying as far as like, we're beating these teams, but we've had this terrible strength of schedule. I mean, I I like us better than the Dolphins, I think. Yes. But I don't know that I like us better than any other of those teams. I don't know that I like us better than Vegas. I mean, we actually beat Indy, but based on my level of excitement when we beat Indy, I was so excited because I didn't think we were going to win. Yeah. No. I'm with you. I really want the Browns to make the playoffs. I don't think they're one of the necessarily one of the seven best teams on any given day um, in the AFC. That's well, just throw, the honest truth if, about it. If you um, throw us but in I the think NFC, it, I think it would be huge if we could make the playoffs and and it get at least one, maybe two games underneath our belt. I think it would be so great for this team, this coaching staff, the players, the city of Cleveland. Good gracious, we need a playoff game. Just wasting away. So, anyways, yeah, we do. it's exciting to think about. And honestly, it feels like we're in a really strong position because we know we have three games that are really winnable the rest of the year. But there's still six games. We're not even two-thirds of the way through this season. There's a lot of football still to be played. We will see how this shakes out. But let's take it one game at a time. we got to beat Jacksonville this week. And um, we'll just take it one at a time. Yep. Well, let's wrap this up and move on to the Lions. What happened last week, Michael? Well, I got to give you an update on the last two weeks, to be perfectly honest. Ah, true. Um, As much as it pains me to say it, you're still in the lead by a pretty significant margin. Yes, sir. 19 and 11 on the year, sitting at 63% win percentage. It's pretty solid. But I have jumped ahead of Matthew. I'm sitting at 16 and 14. 
while he's at 14 and 16. So anyways, um, we got to make up some ground on you and we have an opportunity to do that because there are a lot of primetime games on Thanksgiving week. Um, three games on Thursday, one on Sunday night and the Browns game like we always do. So Thursday, we'll give you your Thanksgiving slate. Houston favored by two and a half points heading to Detroit. Um, Matthew made a pick already. We already had him send him in, even though he's not here. He picks Houston. I'm picking Houston in this game. Um, Mark, who do you have? I'm going to pick Detroit just to cover. All right. Um, next game is Washington and Dallas, the Redskins and the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Indians. Um, <laughs> Classic matchup. Um, they don't go by the Redskins anymore, but yeah. we're still going to. You racist. You said Redskins twice. I did. Um, it's an awful game, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll watch it, but like. Oh, I'm watching it. Only because it's Thanksgiving and I'm sitting Got nothing around. nothing else and, to do. Yeah. I'm tending to my turkey, and that's probably going to be about it at that particular point in time. Um, I think we got a clean sweep on this one. Let's just like sque- sque- yeah. go on and go past this. We're all picking the Cowboys in this particular game. Um, that brings us to the Sunday night matchup, which I think is up in the air because there's a bunch. I know Baltimore closed their facility today, and this is a quick turnaround for a Thursday night game. It's the best of the Thursday slate, so I really hope that the game isn't canceled. But Baltimore's going to Pittsburgh. The Steelers are favored by four and a half. Um, who do you have in this game? I got the Steelers. I um, have largely been impressed by or unimpressed by the trajectory of the Ravens season. Um, they haven't looked worse than they have these past couple weeks. And I think the Steelers' defense in particular um, going against the Ravens' not-so-great offense is going to be the story of this game. Um, and the Ravens have a pretty good offense, or the Steelers have a pretty good offense. I mean, um, and so I think they're going to beat them by more than four and a half points. I'm going to go with the Steelers. Matthew picks the Ravens, which I would. I wish he was here to Explain. like defend defend that point because I definitely have the Steelers, and I didn't even hesitate to pick the Steelers, even though they're favored by four and a half points in this game. I mean, Ravens have COVID cases; they might not have everybody. They're not playing well at all on offense. The Steelers are wrecking people. I just don't see a path for the Ravens to win, to be perfectly honest. Like it'd be hard it's just hard for me to to see it happening. Four and a half points isn't quite enough. I still feel comfortable with the Steelers um covering the four and a half. So, anyways, we can just increase our lead on Matthew if that proves to be the case. Which brings us to the Sunday night game. The Bears heading. It's an NFC North matchup. The Bears playing the Packers. Packers favored by significant margin. Eight and a half points in this game. Matthew's got the Bears. I've got the Bears mostly just because it's such a big margin. Like they're given, you know, getting eight and a half points here. They've got a solid defense. Um, you never know what you're going to get with the Bears offense. And so that makes me a little bit hesitant here. But um, eight and a half points is enough for me to take the Bears think that makes a lot of sense eight and a half points is a lot of points um but something about it is screaming the Packers to me um and uh, I think Packers just lost to the Colts um and a really disappointing loss for them um I think I'm gonna go oh I really was gonna go with the Packers I said I was gonna go with the Packers I can't go with the Packers I'm gonna go with the Bears as well Really? Come on. Yeah. 
It's just, it's just a lot I, of points. I'd already written it down. Yeah, well, you're going to have to change it. Guess what? This is when I make the picks I just right did. here on the podcast to the people. Um, and last but not least, Michael. Brown's heading to Jacksonville. We're getting some warm weather. Hopefully no rain. And the Browns are favored by six and a half points against the Jaguars. We're all a bunch of homers, so we picked the Browns. Yeah, Michael, Matthew, and Mark Kuhn, all three of us, picking the Browns to cover. I mean, if the Browns show up and play the way they should, they'll, they'll win this game. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's that simple. Whether we cover the seven points, I'm not 100% sure. The Jags have actually been playing people pretty tight, um, it seems like, but not over the course of the game. I, I see the running game taking over, following the script that we have, and the Browns should definitely take care of business. No doubt. Browns win by 40. Lock it up. 40. No doubt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to watch the end of this Monday night game, tied 24 to 24 with three minutes to go. Um, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. If you you appreciate our podcast, tell a friend about it, someone who loves the Browns. Um, If they don't follow the Browns, this won't be a good podcast for them, so just don't mention it to them. Um, but also reach out to us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. We'd love to hear from you or send us an email if there's a topic you think we should cover on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, friends, and go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.